This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin. I am very pleased this evening to be joined by Kate Prusser, managing editor of LookoutLanding.com. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Kate, <laughs> you are particularly punchy this evening, and I'm not totally sure what the, what's at the source of it. Just a good dinner, I guess. I had a good dinner with a, with a nice bottle of wine. So. <laughs> Just one, one for you. One for me, one for everyone else at the table. No, no, no. Just maybe like a third of the bottle there of you wine. Go. You good, 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 good. Uh, good, 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 good. Uh, we also have back with us after a week off due to scheduling uh, challenges. We're thrilled to have Evan James. Evan, how are you, my friend? Doing good. Always a pleasure to be here. And yeah, we obviously we wanted to get in an episode as quick as we could last week when we had the time. So glad you guys could uh, step up to bat and, you know. Handle it trying and, uh... to make as many episodes possible on Vox's dime before <laughs> <laughs> squeeze them for every last dollar. Before I'm, we I'm go down the way of the dodo. We uh, won't go. We will rise yeah, yeah. not dodo, more Phoenix. We will rise from the ashes of Vox's current round of guts and uh reemerge triumphant yeah. in some yeah. new space. We just uh, have to figure out where that is. Yeah, Evan. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, and you can you can correct me here, but I believe our current understanding is you don't really need to touch that dial. We will be able to retain uh, the RSS feed. Is that is that correct? Think anything's going to change for the listeners? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all going to roll over. We are going to rebrand, and we haven't yes. finalized what that's going to be, what it's going to look like graphically or name wise. Uh, speaking of which, if you have a good name recommendation, tweet it at us. Um, well, I am looking forward to, uh, chatting with y'all cause we don't have too much pressing here. So we're, we're going to go pretty quick into questions. Um, and the questions, uh, unsurprisingly loop in some of the, uh, the, the, the news such that it is. Um, so I want to start, uh, with Dylan Moore Stan at Luis mm. Terenz fan on Twitter, uh, and I would like to know what other former Mariner from the 2010s, and this can be a retired player, would you most live, love to see sign a minor league deal with the Mariners like Leonis Martin just did? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you if you haven't seen this, which is frankly not unthinkable, it is a minor league deal. I'm not sure it's going to lead the Seattle Times, uh, <laughs> you know, Friday morning. Um Leonis Martin, fresh off of uh, four years, I think, oh, yeah. in uh, NPB in the in profession, the top professional baseball league in Japan, um, most of which were quite successful. Had sort of a, a mixed year last year, I think, a little bit of you know, but um, but especially, I think, uh, you know, wanting to to get back in the U.S. I think also, you know, hoping that. You know, there, there, there may be a window here while uh, he is in his, I think, age thirty-five season. Uh, obviously, not necessarily uh, 
a clear route to playing time for him, but uh, certainly someone that the Mariners relished having in the past. And I, I, I know we all would consider him a fan favorite. I think many would. Um, who else do you think could join him? Or not even could, but who else? I mean, are we just like? are we just picking people we don't care if their arm is Swiss cheese or not? Then oh, Tom yeah, Swiss... Wilhelmson. Yeah, absolutely. Good pick. Good pick. Um, I, I think I guess I like I like it. You know, that that seems great. It also I think is like who who could actually not even could like skill wise still, but like who would you love to like just have around again? Yeah, I think no, Tom Robinson is absolutely the Charlie answer. Furbush, one two punch, like yeah. those two they are still need, absolute, you know, still looking for that lefty. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. For I mean, I think probably both of their shoulders are Swiss cheese at this point, but uh, I would love for either of them to even just even just come on as like a special assistant slash. Uh, vibes managers <laughs> whatever whatever it takes like those guys are great guys and um i know tom tom from tucson is still pretty pretty embedded into arizona in general uh not really interested in moving up here but charlie furbush is married to uh michelle luca from that's right yeah he's around like you can use him use him I'd love to have uh, him in the broadcast booth or something. He's yeah. so entertaining. Here's what I think. Because I, I think that um, you, you, Ryan Roland Smith has already added oh. a really great aspect yeah. of this, right? Of like the former player who's not so far from it right. that they're like kind of – and, you know, I think we appreciate this about Blowers is like Blowers is far from playing days but isn't necessarily like jaded and like – pissed that they're playing baseball yeah, still like, <laughs> right yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. like you know totally. he, he definitely has that he like, understands kind of... the adapting world of baseball in a way right and right. welcomes and, it yeah and 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 i think yeah i think welcomes or at the very least is like yeah this is different hmm. i wouldn't have done it this way yeah but this is what they're doing and this is why you know and they have a good reason for it yeah. you yeah, know yeah. like that Absolutely. that sort of like it's such a small thing. Sorry, you know this is an aside, but it's it's such a small thing that makes a huge difference in enjoyment. No, I think um, if you watch any of the other uh, broadcasts that have former players on it, you, I always call it like doing an appreciation tour of the Mariners broadcast when I watch, you know, when my MLB TV renews in the spring and I, you know, the Mariners aren't playing, but I'm so hungry for baseball that I'll just watch anything and everyone. Mm -hmm. And I realized how much most of the broadcast booth, there are exceptions, obviously, like, yes, there are clear exceptions, uh, but a lot of them, I'm just like, these are old men yelling at clouds. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think it, it's very entertaining. We it feels like pretty good. There's like a lot of, it, it's it's almost shocking because like, like a lot of people who participated in like the 95 ALDS ended up turning out kind of okay like griffey still generally like i was talking to um somebody about this recently if like it is shocking that ken griffey jr is still you know not a flawless character by any means obviously his like finale in seattle before retiring was like 
you know, had some tumult, but like across the board, pretty universally beloved, hasn't done anything heinous. Like it's unbelievable. And, and then especially you- salient point literally today. Yeah. Russell Wilson, the news about Russell Wilson's charity, which yeah, is just- rough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look into St. Jude's charity. Look, look into where your money goes. No, with that's Jude's fair. Too. Like There's any a lot large of, yeah. charity, it is pretty typical to have that amount of money going to like oversight and administration. Like it's it's depressing ah. to think about how much, how little of the money that gets donated to charity actually goes to I the think, people yes. donating it to. I do think, and I could have this wrong, but I think the percentages were un- yeah. unbelievably bad. Yeah. I think it was like 25%. And normally yeah, it's like 80%, which is, which is bad. 80% yeah. is bad. Like, I, it they was something insane. Manning's charity gives 97 cents on the dollar, apparently, yeah, to charitable no. causes. So Russell Wilson giving 26 is a, is a bad look by any stretch. Yeah. Um, in any case, you know, yes, Griffey, pretty solid. Um, obviously, you know, some exceptions, A-Rod sort of all over the place. But, like, Blowers, you got David Cohn, who's one of the best broadcasters Great in the broadcaster. league. Great um, broadcaster. And, you know, with that, because of that same thing where he's like, well, this is how I would have done it, and here's how modern pitchers, yep. you know, this. Which I just don't it's think so helpful. is like a huge, It's so helpful. Not a huge ask for people who are on your broadcast today to be like, this is not how I would do it. But in the current, like, just know something about the modern game. You're commenting on the modern game. You should know yeah. something about it. So, yeah. Um, Evan, which 2010 would you like to see Brack on, on a minor league deal? You know, my initial thought was Goody, but I actually think Pete Goody and Eric Bedard are both 2009. So I was going to have to say, no, 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 no. Because they brought Goody back in uh, 20, I think 2014 and maybe beyond. Because there was like great Goody and then there was platoon slugger Goody later on. It's true. In my heart, I'm thinking of six win, definitely fine things. Yeah. Very fair. Um, uh, but yeah, beyond beyond that, I think like a Mark Lowe or a David Ardzema would be interesting in the bullpen. I like your <laughs> the bullpen pieces in particular because they could actually fit onto the roster. I was thinking about like where else would I want somebody kind of, yeah. and we need an infielder. And the Mariners don't have the most sterling infield reputation in the last decade. I was like, you know, uh, Nick Franklin, Dustin Ackley, Kyle Seeger technically like could still be the best of I that think group. That so Perry Hill would, I think Perry Hill would load Nick Franklin up into a cannon <laughs> and fire him into Montana. <laughs> Listen, I'm I, I should be in the Hall of Fame for my defensive coaching skills, and I can't work with this man. <laughs> like, just just un, un unfathomable. Um I here's what I'll say. I had not considered the idea that Evan or that Evan just broached, which is Kyle Seeger, who I think it was no, generally Kyle reported. Kyle does not count. I hear no, no. I know I'm not counting this generally, but listen, the Mariners still need that one more bat. Kyle Seeger can't throw anymore, or at least didn't what like didn't want to rehab Tommy John surgery and he was like, I've made a hundred million dollars. I'm yeah, good to Seager, retire. Seager needs, Incredibly reasonable. Incredibly good judgment. Seager, Deeply unlike, same take. unlike yeah. Tom Brady, 
Seeger spent a year with his family and was like, actually, this is nice. Yeah, this <laughs> rules. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, being yeah. Little League dad uh, and having all the money that I need and living on my giant farm in North Carolina yeah, and spending a ton of time drinking wine with my wife is awesome. So, yeah. cheers. I'm I'm raising my glass right now to Kyle, Kyle Seeger and his life choices. They're excellent. Leave that man in uh, peace. But, you know, you know he could still drop like a oh. 105, 110 WRC Probably. plus just sure. at the DH. Sure. Uh, just, you know, just lobbing those balls into right field. Um, sure. And honestly, I would love to see Kyle say, like AP <clears throat> just, you know, venerated Kyle Se I would love to see Kyle Seeger in charge of this locker room of babies, basically. It would be like... Um... Uh, well, this is sort of like a a cruel compare, but like you know when the like like a parent or something comes back from abroad or something, or like you know comes back from being stationed somewhere, mm. um, and like the the families don't know, and then Kyle Seeger just appears in <laughs> uniform behind JP Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. I would enjoy um, I, I hope I hope that Kyle's I, I don't know that the relationship is awesome right now, but I would love to see Kyle Seeger come back at some especially if the team is like making another run at it. Like oh my god, JP, like oh I think he would come back not because he cares about the Mariners, uh, but because he cares about the people who are still here. Um I yeah, and I mean, you know. I'm sure he was frustrated in some aspects, but also like I think especially like Felix came back this year, right? Like that's if there was anyone who was going to be genuinely like quite peeved, it was I think, you know, Felix, you know, certainly Seeger, I think, had his share of like anonymous quotes, but like <laughs> you know, I it wasn't like I think he understood. He'll be back for stuff next year. It's just too early. It's he's only been off for for like eighteen months. When it's been two years, three years, he'll be back to do car commercials. Officially retired, but okay, all right, okay, okay. It takes a while for a tight, you know, Ticonderoga wagon. Uh, that's not what it is. That's not Ticonderoga. That's What is it? Conestoga, bud. Thank you. Thank you. I always do that. One's a pencil and one is one's a pencil. A wagon. One's the thing you have to cock to ford the river. I get it. I get it. You're not the Oregon. I'm the Oregon Trail generation, not you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's but, on me. But um, if anyone from Ticonderoga is listening, your pencils are the best pencils. Please send me some. Um, I Kate, I can, I, I'll hook you up. I got, I, I've got a connection. Uh, the YMCA doesn't count. Robbing, I, robbing I will not children steal from the school children of Seattle. <laughs> um. All right. Well, my pick is Yoervis Medina, oh, who was my favorite. Medina. Funky cold Medina, who has oh. not pitched professionally. It's such a weird um, choice. Okay, I hear you. And you're correct. You had so but, many years to choose from, and you chose that. Um, yes, because he was my favorite pitcher of those bullpens to watch. We traded um, him for Ryan Healy, right? No, no, no. That was Emilio Pagan, okay. uh, who Emilio was Pagan. better. 
Um, that's not even true. Yaris Medina was very good. He just flew too close to the sun, like Icarus. Uh, and he was his the one who taught said, Ian Edwin Diaz, though, right? The new Brit. Uh, you are thinking of Joaquin Benoit. Oh, I am thinking of Joaquin Benoit. All right. <laughs> we're, we're really, we are remembering yeah, some guys. Because Joaquin Benoit was not good as a Mariner. He just happened to teach Edwin Diaz a slider. He did. Which was, in fairness, very good as a Mariner. Yeah. But uh, no, he, Joaquin Benoit, Mariner, not that. a great player. No. No, it was um, kind of I like mean, the Sergio Romo thing where he was like really good. We just got him a bit past his got freshness stage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so Uiris Medina is the pitcher who I remember watching in part because like I was in high school, college while watching him and seeing his, I guess, college exclusively, now that I look at the timeline more specifically, but, uh, and, and just seeing the way that his pitches moved and thinking, I want more than anything to be able to do that. Um, just to be able to throw, I mean, to be able to throw 94 to 97 with so much movement on his fastball and, you know, excellent slider, um, you know, he was he was great. Uh, you know, for essentially three years in the Mariners, uh, you know, mo I mean, more more two years with the Mariners, but like, you know, a ERA under three both times, and you know, just very very solid uh, performance. He also, not that this means anything, I am just now seeing went. One in fourteen as a starter in the minors in 2011, which is so <laughs> I have to imagine it's so crushingly demoralizing. Um, and I am glad they moved him to being an incredibly good reliever quite quickly. Um, but yeah, like you know, he he was sort of you know the Dan Altavilla, um, you know Edwin Diaz type player of of that generation, where it was like kind of interesting pitching prospect that is not necessarily going to make it um, and, you know, has not pitched an affiliated baseball since 2016 because his arm has been obliterated, but he is only 33. No, he's 34. Excuse me. Um, but, you know, pitched in the uh, Nicaraguan league in 2022 uh, was looking pretty good. I think uh, that's all you need to see. You know, he's well rested right now, uh, having not pitched at all last year. So bring him in. You know, here we go, Jared. All right, I, I appreciate phone. you picking someone who could probably actually still pitch. Uh, you pick the realistic <laughs> answer as opposed. I to, picked the realistic answer, but I also vibes right, answer. So yeah, well, I get it. But on it, I mean, no, just no. <laughs> None of them think, are going to actually be good. So, look, no, Leo, right. Leonis Martin is not going to be good. Bless his heart. I love him a lot, but... Uh, Who knows? He's not... He's, I feel like Eric Bedard could still be a setup man in 2020. Get out of here, Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna to come personally wacky with the newspaper. <laughs> um... Well, let's uh, Layla at Lay says Goems oh. asked, um, sort of relatedly, yeah. uh, in honor of Leonis's return, what is your favorite moment from his first stint in Seattle? I mean, is it even a question? 
Um, I remember a distinct option, but I would like to hear what yours is. We all know the answer is the dramatic comeback against the Potteries in 2016. I think. Oh. Right? Like, where he he was on the IL, but he spurred the whole bench just giving energy and and basically uh service gave him credit for that win. Like That's true. He come, was he yeah. was out or the, not out. I thought that, I think it was just that they were resting him. They were like making I him take a day off. Aisle, I, but yeah, I mean I, I guess if you're on the could have been. In any case, he was on the bench. He was on the bench and wouldn't shut up. Would not shut up. Um that is a pretty good one. I and I love we'll it. Say, you can like, go back hand, and you can hear his high, yes, high first voice. And I have heard the Leonis Martin voice because I was in Tacoma once when he was in Tacoma and he was taking ground balls at third base, which is like obviously not his position. He's taking ground yeah. balls at third base and throwing over to first. He would have been a good third baseman. He's so smooth oh, and has sure. such a strong for arm. For sure. But, yeah. Uh, but he's there, and then I think it was Vogelback at first base, maybe? Again, this was, these were weird days. Uh, but he's taking <laughs> taking ground balls, and he throws across, and every time he throws across the first base, he's like, I'm Manny Machado! I'm Manny Machado! <laughs> <laughs> and Vogelback, of all people, was like, bro, you aren't Machado. <laughs> <laughs> But it was delightful, and oh. it was so much energy, and it brought so much energy to, you know, first of all, a triple-A infield practice, which is not maybe necessarily your biggest energy source to begin with. But he just, I mean, I just I have fixed in my mind this image of him, like, skipping around the infield and throwing these balls. Hey, Manny Machado! Hey, Manny And these, like, <laughs> Mighty Mouse boys. Like, fantastic. <laughs> Um, Evan, do you have do you have an answer specifically? Because I remember the uh, extra inning walk off against the White Sox. I think that was the same game that he had two home runs. It was indeed that. good yeah. call. Yeah, I it remember was, that. Uh, it was the eleventh inning, and uh, yeah, he had two dingers, drove in three runs, walk off homer. I think that was his very good bat flip. No, is okay. I, I have actually found the clip. Very, very hype, um, but not necessarily a crazy bat flip. Um, I believe my answer is um, pretty easy, which is his uh, walk off, two strikes, down one, runner on, walk off homer against the A's. Um, in 2016, because um, I believe that was the like I, I want to say that was his first one that was uh, sort of incredibly exciting, um, and you know it was early in the year that it sort of been around around you know some some up and downs, and yeah, it was a one-two count runner on second, and he I believe has a very very good walk off. Uh, bat flip, um, and I just remember losing it entirely. Um, I don't remember, I think I was not quite yet at LL, but I was like within a month or two of, of that. 
Um, and uh, yeah, just, I mean, <clears throat> a player who was not the best player, but had so many great moments and was very, very solid, especially on a team where they had a few stars and they had a lot of really, really bad players. Anyone who was decent, right? There's a reason that Leonis and Seth Smith are like just <laughs> beloved, like oh well regarded Deho Lee. Because right? our joke about Seth like, Smith was he was a dad. I would love to see what yeah. like what the generation of Zoomer Zoomers would do with <laughs> Seth Smith as dad. Zeth Smith. Zeth Zeth Smith. Zaddy is Zeth Smith. <laughs> um yeah i i don't want to think about no, zeth smith no. as, comma zaddy <laughs> oh. but uh oh, that's fair. That's but, fair. but uh it's out into the world now um all right let's see um i want to go to this question from kt at kp underscore tracy because i had this question pulled up last week and i missed it thank you kt for resubmitting this um they ask, how do you anticipate M's pitchers will be affected by oh. the shift ban or shift limitations and other rules changes? Um, and I think specifically here for pitchers, obviously the pitch clock is going to be quite um, quite impactful, uh, or certainly at least it, it's going to make the biggest difference in pitchers day-to-day. Oh, I have something it to say about that. Hit me. Because I spent the day. Uh, so the Mariners canceled Fan Fest this year, citing mm, ballpark construction, which, you know, they've been doing that same ballpark construction for the most of uh, the last season. So I don't understand why we can't have Fan Fest this year. Uh, and it's been canceled a bunch of other years, like 2021. It was canceled because. Oh, we're still in COVID. 2020, obviously COVID. 2019, they had it, but it was like very abbreviated because it was like rolled into the team getting back from Japan. 2018, it was canceled. So like, I feel like the team has not had a full, proper fan fest since 2017. So you have something to say, John? No, I, sorry, I was, I was, I was, I did, I didn't mean to make such a sound. I with just, my mic. I just heard, heard you steam. I heard you steam in, like you had something. They're to working say. on the press box. It's different this time. But no, it's not. Is it press club? Excuse me. Is it? It's always something. It's always something. Anyway, uh, like, anyway, so, like, continue. Wait, were you gonna tie that in with the yes. the, so, the new rule changes? So we had to we had to do a a virtual fan fest, and I wrote it up. Um, but one of the virtual fan fest things featured Paul Seawald talking about the rule changes, and I don't think the shift is going to impact the pitchers necessarily because the pitchers are just going to do what the pitchers have always done. The pitch clock is going to impact some of them and specifically the ones who are like slow on it um so seawald is kind of slow to the plate munoz is slow to the plate like those guys are really and that's something to watch during spring training is um 
you're going to be using these new pitch clock rules so you can watch the pitchers adjust in real time. I don't think the, like, John, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't think the shift rules will necessarily impact any of the pitchers in the way that they throw. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't necessarily dramatically impact them. I, the Mariners also don't have many ground ball pitchers. Right, I mean, obviously, uh, they, they did. They did. Pick, they did pick up some ground ball heavy people, like some of the like in the bullpen. That is, yeah, true. yeah. They picked up some uh, of these Chris guys. Clark, their Rule yep. Five pick, yeah. uh, is, is definitely. I that, feel. You know, Brandon, I, I Brandon would say honestly, player. there's a, a there's a strong trend of them picking up ground ball pitchers in the off season. That's true. I mean, you know, they've said this before and but and I think it's still true even in a sort of deader ball stretch of like if you ever have the choice between fly ball pitchers and ground ball pitchers, you're pretty much always going to want ground ball pitchers because ground balls don't turn into homers. And fly ball pitchers, you know, can be really good in Seattle and can really struggle somewhere, you know, elsewhere. Pitchers who give up lots of grounders, you know, the, I think the risk is if they miss their spot, their pitches often are easier to hit. But, you know, ostensibly ground ball pitching travels a little bit more easily from place to place. So it's just a skill that is really hard to find and is very Is it a skill valuable. or and is it just like an effect of the way that certain pitchers pitch because i feel um, like it was a, if it was a skill i think everyone everyone would work on it and do it but i think well, it you is could say pitching to contact is a skill right the intention to create weak contact is definitely a skill relative to yeah. looking for strikeouts yeah, yeah, or yeah. you know like what logan does with just pop-ups i i guess i would say yes with the caveat that I think almost any pitcher that currently pitches to contact, if they had the ability to, to add two miles goal? per hour yeah. to get oh, more yeah, strikeouts, yeah, they sure. would, right? Like yeah. you pitch to contact. You pitch to contact because necessity. you have to. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and so with ground balls, I think you're absolutely right. Right. Like it's, you know, um, many, it, it is, it, it comes about, typically by the motion and a little, you know, by the release with which a pitcher delivers the ball. But pitchers are capable of changing that. Not every pitcher is capable of changing that and still being effective. Mm -hmm. But Luis Castillo, for instance, was a ground ball pitcher for most of his career. Um, he threw tons of sinkers because his sinker gets lots of movement. He threw lots of change-ups because his sinker or his change-up drops a lot mm -hmm. and it pairs nicely mm -hmm. with his sinker. Mm -hmm. And in the past year and a half, he has adopted his four-seam as his more primary pitch as he's lowered his arm slot mm -hmm. and he throws that four-seamer high in the zone. He still has the and sinker, he's got but the it runs up, which is a huge, he still has which the change is a huge with pitch to begin with. So he's yes. got a solid although, although, sorry, although his, his slider has become a little bit more of a weapon. Oh. And he, you know, you watch it, you watch his... Um, so interesting, because whenever Mariners pitchers are asked, like, whose pitch could you steal? If you could take anyone, it's always Munoz's slider or Castillo's changeup mm -hmm. that they say they want to take. I think that is very reasonable. Um, I think that one of 
I don't want to get too nitty gritty, but like let's, let's grit those of, nits. <laughs> all right, we're gonna grit it. We're gonna grit this one nit real, real, real quick. Um, the cause of the the reason that you lower your arm slot if you are a pitcher and you are going to throw more four seam fastballs is that if you lower your arm slot and still come sort of over the top i realize that sounds a little bit counterintuitive but like if you are releasing lower but still bringing your hand straight through the ball as opposed to like the Randy Johnson sort of full, almost full sidearm kind of thing where you're, you know, you're releasing with your arm fully extended as opposed to lower, but still making like a, like an L shape with your arm. The reason you do that is to get sort of similar to Paul Seawald. Um, I mean, Castillo is honestly one of the best examples of the, in the game right now, you get that flat, um, attack vertical angle. approach, you, approach angle. Yes, approach angle. Thank you. An attack angle is for hitters, but VA, you get that flat VA, which is to say your four seamer, you know, it, it, it helps everything play up. It helps the spin rate um, and spin efficiency play up such that the fastball just looks like it doesn't drop and hitters swing under it more because you're not throwing it at a downward angle. You are throwing it more flat out of your hand to begin with. So Castillo is doing that. That's really helpful for his four-seam fastball. It's the difference between the ball coming out of your hand, almost like you're pushing the ball out of your hand, versus yeah. coming over the top and flinging the ball out of your yeah. hand. Yeah. So for people who are having the... trouble visualizing, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> about the people, definitely not me, who are having Absolutely. trouble envisioning this. So with a four-seam fastball, you're trying to th typically throw that ball higher in the zone. You're trying to get someone to swing under it. And usually you are going to, if you're going to get contact, you're going to want them to still be under it so that they fly out or pop it up. With a sinker and with a changeup, you want all of the opposite things. This pitch, instead of wanting the four-seamer, would to essentially drop as little as possible in flight. You want the sinker to drop as much as possible. You want the changeup to drop as much as possible, even more because it's slower and gravity will have a greater amount of time to, to do its thing. Um, so if you are lowering your angle, even though it's improving your four seamer, you are going to flatten your changeup and you're going to flatten your sinker. And that's, often okay or can be okay for a sinker or two seam fastball because instead of making it as much about how much it sinks you can make it about how much it runs that means going in on the hands of right-handed hitter or away from a left-handed hitter um and you'll see that from castillo you also see that from george kirby you'll see that from um uh, on occasion, Logan Gilbert was toying with this, um, you know, of running that fastball in, uh, you know, just onto the corner of the plate. Um, but the challenge there, essentially, to wrap this back to the beginning, is when your changeup is a little bit flatter because you are doing something to improve your four seamer and your changeup resembles your sinker. Um, 
your changeup may just not be quite as deadly because it's just not going to have as much drop or late bite. And that's essentially the sacrifice that Castillo has made. But you could also say it may be something he recognized he was running into issues with of hitters weren't biting as much on his changeup um, like a couple of years ago. And he started making this adjustment almost preemptively. Like he was a very good pitcher. He was like in 2020, he was really, really good. In 2019, he was very, very good. In 2021, he was pretty good. And, you know, started making this adjustment. And then we saw the fruits of this in full last year as he was, you know, by rate, one of the probably 10 best pitchers. And we know 100%. So. I mean, not to cast aspersions on the Reds' pitching development, but also, yes, to cast aspersions on the Reds' pitching development. Like, we feel like this change was institute, like, from Castillo himself, or do you think he was like? Um, I don't. I don't totally know, and that's something I would like to try and figure out this year, because, um, and I would love to try and chat with yeah. him with, uh, or chat with him about. Um, I know, that, you know, the Reds have had an interesting journey developmentally, with, you know, hiring Kyle Body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Several years back as their um, head of PD and then, uh, you know, having some pretty big strides positively with a lot of their, um, a lot of their pitchers and then letting him go or at least, you know, him leaving Mm -hmm. some sort of circumstances um, soon afterwards. And... It, it, it it's just a confusing situation very what they've clear. got going on very there and clear. who is still there. So it's hard to say. Um, but it's something he continued to do while he was with Seattle. Yes. And I, I, I don't know. I'm not surprised by that. I think it makes sense. It's, it's certainly, it had a great effect. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see that because I think it will continue to be positive. Um, but to bring this back to, to to KT's question, I do agree there aren't necessarily that many pitchers who I think will be heavily impacted um, in the starting rotation, uh, though I think you're right that the bullpen could be impacted. I think that this is going to be more impactful for Seattle's hitters because... Uh, Jared, Jared, Jared. Yeah, yeah. Which I, which I think has been talked about a, a fair bit. I will say Zach Mason. Um, Zach Mason. Yeah. Do you, do you would you would you would you give a quick rundown on that? Because I think it is an interesting. Uh, Zach Mason published a piece on the site this week that you should go read about. It, just looking at like whether we can expect some positive regression for Jared Kilnick based on um, some data about how he's been hitting the ball and then comparing that with how he's been hitting the ball into versus out of the shift just everything kind of lines up to look sunny for Jared Kelnick in the future uh I, I feel good I feel good about Jared I mean I've always felt good about Jared but that article particularly gave me some 
very specific things to feel good about. I don't know. What did you guys feel about it? Um, I, I really appreciated Zach's uh, Zach's detail there because you know it, it's sort of it's all it's almost cartoonish how um, you know how much. Uh, folks, I mean, it was literally have strong it opinions was on car it Jared was Literally it cartooned. Uh, that's <laughs> oh God. Shout oh out God. to Gina. Thank you, Gina. Um, <laughs> you got you got him there. You got me there. Um, but the, uh, the oh my God uh, the. The man is just a very interesting player because of how exciting and and how you know strong his potential is and how massive the gap has been between that and where you know how he's actually produced. So there's just no way around it. It's fascinating. Um, here's what I'll say because I, I want to give you something, KT, which is that I think the Mariners are among the best teams in baseball in terms of how they're set up for their own pitchers for this uh, this set of rule changes. I think, you know, Cal Raleigh is a very solid defensive catcher. I wouldn't call him, like, the best, you know, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say he's like a top five, especially in base, uh, you know, catching who, who base runner. Who are the five who are ahead of Cal Raleigh? Um, I would put Rail Muto. Obviously. Um, I would put. Uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, who won the? Uh, Will Smith. Okay. Um, maybe I, Sean Murphy was sort of weird this yeah. year, and I don't totally know. Um, you know, I don't. I don't have a ton of certainty on him um i not hmm. kirk come on not kirk. well not kirk necessarily this is i'm specifically talking about like run yes game exactly controller. not kirk um no certainly not kirk um i think adley rutschman mm, yes. okay, is ahead of him um and i would I think Hubert Ruiz. Tomas Nito. Nito? I don't know. No. I think no. I think Nito's no. solid. Uh, no. All right. Mm -mm. <laughs> um, I'm glad you brought up controlling the run game, John, because I think an, an interesting part about this question and something that Jerry actually talked about this morning is the potential for both the smaller bases and the pitch clock to put additional pressure on pitchers, um, mm -hmm. which might make the run game flourish a little bit. And I've been thinking that's about what that. The and goal, that's Brian what had the a whole question goal about, is. They want more stolen yes. bases. Yeah, they want yeah. more offense. I think people are asking the question, though, are pitchers going to take too long in between pitches and it's going to throw off their rhythm? My understanding and my belief is that these guys are all professional enough to get their rhythm within that time frame. But the addition of the run game on top of that might be something that some of the guys who take a little bit longer and like are a little more affected by that might struggle with. And we've seen pitchers who are prone to not 
being good at controlling the run game have it spiral on them. Mm, and I could yeah. see that element yeah. being worse. True. Uh, you saw that a lot with Justin Dunn, who's not here anymore. But like, I could see Dunn, that kind of Dunn being worse bad at for him. The run game. But I mean, even more yeah. established pitchers. Uh, who is it? Who is the one, John? Who is the one? John Lester. Ooh. John, John Lester. Lester. Does John yeah. Lester still yeah. pitch? Isn't he retired? Uh, I think so, yeah. yes. But, but he, yeah. I mean, he was famously year. awful at it. I'm sure there are other people who will probably come out to prominence once this is, once there are more base runners because of, you know, bigger bases and whatever. I don't know. Um, I I think that the spirit of this question is how much will the pitcher struggle with it? I don't. Well, th- I don't yeah, think I the guess... pitchers will struggle with it just because we'll struggle with the shift just because um, they'll pitch the way they're always going to pitch. The onus is on fielders who are going to be like maybe more limited in their fielding. Although to hear Colton Wong talk about it to hear J.P. Crawford talk about it, they're all excited. They're excited about not having to be in the shift anymore. They didn't like the shift, and they don't want to be in the shift. So yeah, they now have just their one uh, areas that they have to control. I think that you see a lot of defensive sharpness that comes from players not playing out of position anymore. For the teams that have naturally good defenders, uh, I I mean I don't think that this is going to help out the Oakland A's, for example. No, <laughs> the Oakland A's aren't going to help out the Oakland A's. It's going to be it, bad, uh, but I think it's it's a fairly um, pitcher neutral kind of situation. Yes, I, I guess Until I would say you the, get to the, the benefit point where, the yeah, have. controlling the running game is a big question. It is a big question. I think the the other component is the Mariners were one of the fastest teams in terms of tempo. like their yeah. pace tempo. in terms of their tempo. Now it's not a massive difference, but they were you know a second and a half. Logan Gilbert is one of the fastest the pitchers in the majors to the plate. Yeah. Right, right. Herbie and, also very, um, very fast. You know they were yes, Ray, they were seventh fast. in. Yeah, they were seventh in yeah. tempo um, in terms of like seventh least seconds between mm-hmm. each pitch. Um, so, which, you know, that's still 22.7 seconds, which will be uh, against the rules. So they need to be more than seven seconds faster than that. Well, uh, but StatCast tells you, like, it, you can't use those numbers to. Yeah. That's so true. I, I wouldn't necessarily. It's, it is, I would say yeah, like is, your is, extreme yeah. outliers, like Seawald, like Munoz. You, those guys yes. are going to have to be careful. But yes, I think this will be cha- most challenging for the bullpen yes, guys, sure. and I think that's that is for sure um, something of of worthy of being mindful of. Um, but no, I think that the the majority of the Mariners. Uh, especially in the rotation are uh, honestly in, in quite good shape. And I think that's sort of a positive of them happening to have a lot of younger starters, you know, pitcher pitchers who came up. George Kirby was pitching with the pitch clock his entire professional career. I believe Logan Gilbert, either pretty much or in all of his, you know, professional career, like some experience, right. Some you experience know. with it in their, well, Kirby definitely was last year and the year before. 
And then in 2020, they didn't pitch. So they maybe didn't have it like in I, in Everett in 2019 for like his like 16 innings of like one inning outings or whatever. But like all of the year in Arkansas, they had the pitch clock. And same thing for Gilbert, you know. So like this is this is not this maybe is new to Marco Gonzalez, but it's not new to you know the a number of the pitchers here, um, which I'm excited about. Um, so let's see. I, I in the think, interest of time, yeah. can we do one more question and then? Wrap? I think I think that is a great call. I um, want to do this one maybe. about which young NRIs do we think will make an impression this spring? And I want to get two answers from everyone. One is who do you think has the best chance to make the roster? Because I think there's a clear cut answer to that, but I'm curious to see what you think. And then two is uh, which one of the young prospects do you think could pop? Because I think we may have different opinions on that, relatively speaking. I'll go first, I guess, because I already thought about it. Please do. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm glad you got, a, you got something. <laughs> I think uh, the most likely to make the roster to me is definitely Casey Sadler. Uh, the bullpen obviously is just a place where there's more turnover than anywhere else on the roster for the most part. Pitchers are fungible and it, he's already a guy that they trust and they like a lot. If he looks good coming back from injury uh, and he's had a while to rehab now, I think that he has the shortest path of anyone else on the non roster invite list. And then in terms of like somebody who could really flash, I think, you're probably going to hear a lot about how good Brian Wu looks, even though he's not anywhere close to being on the team yet. Um, much like we once heard about Taiwan Walker like three years before he came up and there was talk about like, ooh, you know, he looks like he could be the next Felix. I think you're going to hear a lot of good stuff about Wu this spring. Um, I am I am losing my mind because I feel like we talked about Brian Wu potentially making yeah. the roster is, at some point. Okay, a, I just wanted to make this sure. This is a question yeah. we did last uh, week, but I would. Well, I think we did a variation. Like say on that. Um, something that I didn't say last week, which is I would keep my eye on Mason McCoy. Uh, mm, the the AAA gold, yeah, lover, yeah, or or maybe should have been a triple A. I don't lover. know. I can't but, remember what the. What I mean, the... Mason McCoy was, I think, the kind of sleeper hit of the 2022 Coma Uh He is absolutely defensively gifted. He would be a great substitute for any of the infielders who you know go down with injury or like just kind of need a day off, whatever. Uh, he is extremely defensively gifted up the middle. But last year, so last year, the Tacoma Rainiers hit more home runs as a franchise than they had hit any other year. And I would love to give that uh, credit to Brad Marcelino, who is the Hitting coach in Tacoma, who I kind of just love in general. He's also uh, in the Britain uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. He's coaching Team Great Britain. He's coaching Harry Ford on Team Great Britain for the WBC. Uh, he's just, I think, maybe one of the most interesting guys in Mariners organization. And... I don't I mean I don't know if it's like a 
obviously everybody always hits a lot of home runs in AAA in the PCL, which is like a blast furnace for offense. But he hit more home runs than they ever had under his tutelage. And Mason McCoy hit 21 home runs last year, which is more than he had ever hit in his entire minor league career combined. And he also stole 22 bags, making him uh, the first ever 2020 player in Tacoma Rainier's history. So I think he's really interesting. I think he's someone to pay attention to. Would he be taking a utility spot so he would be filling in for Demo? Yeah, or yeah. Hagerty, he probably? would be. I, I mean, I don't know if he can play the outfield or not, but he can. He's a. If you can play shortstop well, you can Absolutely. play the outfield. He's a, plus, the Mariners don't care if you can play the outfield. They'll just shove you out there. Chad Long Jr. and Abraham <laughs> Toro were roaming that outfield. I, Get on out there. I think Mason there. McCoy is someone to maybe pay some attention to. I think that's an interesting call. I mean, you know, it's not like this is an unbelievable. You exciting, wrote about the rainy. You know, that was your assignment last year with the yeah, yeah. You you watched some Mason McCoy. What do you think? I I, I think it's a very well. That, that's what I was you know sort of going to flow into is like you know Sam Haggerty was not really supposed to play for the Seattle Mariners. No, I and, interviewed. You know, I interviewed. He was on the uh, <laughs> Sam Haggerty at. Uh, Tacoma Rainier's media day like he was there I talked to him I was like oh remember like people really like you and he was like do they Sam mm-hmm. <laughs> Haggerty is yes they do so smart he has defeated me so many times <laughs> he has tricked <laughs> me so many times like multiple multiple <laughs> interview times I've always been like why do you think the fans love you so much, Sam? And he's like, why do you think they love me so much? And then like a dummy, I answer it. <laughs> oh, he's he's a clever, he's a wily little rabbit, Sam Haggerty is. You've been hoodwinked well, by I have Sam Haggerty. Is that what you're telling the podcast? I don't feel bad about it. Sam Haggerty doesn't do the USA Today crossword that they put in like the cafeteria area. He's like, oh, I don't do that. He only does the New York Times crossword. That's Sam Haggerty. Yeah. Um, McCoy, McCoy is a is a good call here. I think, unfortunately, it would mean that there had been an injury to one of or two of Moore and Haggerty. But I do think he is, you know, that type of player that could fill in there and you know, really save Seattle's bacon to some degree. Um, not, I, I, you know, I have some skepticism about him with higher velocity uh, pitching on a daily basis, but I do think like there are teams starting, you know, especially without, with the shift limited, there are going to be teams uh, that really want uh, players with his sort of defensive capabilities um, and or, or I guess there will be teams this year doing far worse than Mason McCoy at <laughs> some point in their middle infield. Um, and hopefully that's not the Mariners. Um, I will say, I mean, it's not particularly creative, but um, Bryce Miller is is going to be the most exciting arm in in Tacoma, or not in 
excuse me, in, in uh, Peoria. And Whether or not they put him on in the bullpen out of camp sounds right. like it's going to be a discussion. Yes, and that's that I think is the most clear. You know, I, I do completely agree with Casey Sadler as like they basically are saying if Casey Sadler is healthy, Casey Sadler will you know should make the roster is sort of the way that they've been talking about it. At least that's been my interpretation of it. Um, so we'll see, obviously there, but we are definitely rooting for him. Um, but I feel bad because I think Taylor Dollard is has done plenty, you know, really as much as you could ask of him. And because of his profile, he's still just going to be looked at, and you know, reasonably so, as you're going to be in AAA until someone's arms, arm breaks. Because, and, and hopefully that doesn't happen, but I think the Mariners having Taylor Dollard is such a it's such i and i've said this genuinely dozens of times on the podcast before but like the difference between the 2016 to 2018 mariners and the 2022 to 2020 2022 and beyond mariners is that if someone gets hurt in the starting rotation they are going to um Taylor Dollard and Bryce Miller and, you know, I mean, now it's not necessarily as <laughs> as great, but, you know, Justice Sheffield or someone, someone of that nature where it's like, well, this person is still young. They have still shown potential. And, you know, you could, you could, you don't have to squint incredibly hard as opposed to we're starting Ross Detweiler. We're starting Christian Bergman. We're starting, uh, I mean, like Adrian Sanford somehow again. Well, Adrian Giovanni Gardner was like plan A. That was, you know, that's part of the certainly that's part Ugh. of the problem. But like having having young, talented, optionable rotation depth is something that the Mariners haven't had for quite a while. And now they are they they're just they've just got such a better setup in terms of their floor this year. I can gripe, and I have griped plenty about them not raising their ceiling, but they have a very solid floor this year, um, you know. But it, it that is that is something I'm very excited about, even if I don't think that means Dollar necessarily finds a spot out of the gate uh, this spring. Um. Well, gang, uh, Evan, let's let's I think wrap here. We got a couple. Uh, Good questions that I would love to uh, roll over into next week. Um, we can, I, I like Ryan Turner's question. Um, one to think on about uh, an offensive and, and pitching category that the Mariners could lead the league in. Um, so I, I want us to think about that one and, and maybe start next week with it. Um, but thank Good you to question. I like it. I yeah. Like um, thank you to everyone who sent in your questions. Um, if we didn't get to it, please send it in next time. Uh, and we'll be talking uh, to you next week, uh, potentially in the in celebration of Kate's birthday, birthday. or more likely, the more likely next the day Tuesday, after. Tuesday, if you want to send me a gift, uh. <laughs> won't say no. Um, I. <laughs> Um, 
thank you everyone for listening. Um, as we said at the top, uh, yeah, look, looks like from, from here, uh, y'all won't have to do anything to continue hearing our dulcet tones. Um, but you, you will likely see a, a shift in the, in the name, um, at some point soon, uh, just for, uh, for, for our sakes here. So, um, Thank you 